Yay, we have the kids. Good morning. So the person who wants to have all of my ducks in a row, I have my all my kids. Good morning. Let me see. Maria, good morning. Nipa, Tia, Skylar, Cheyenne, and who is that? Shane. <laughs> good morning to you. Uh, Skylar, could you help me? There's a rock here that I need to have set in the middle of in the middle of the room. So I want to talk to you guys. <laughs>
God gave them water from a rock. And uh, they, were, they were traveling, and they run out of water. And what happened with them was they got really angry at their leader because they were out of water. And so they started, they actually started yelling and got angry at Moses, who got the staff. Scott, would you want to come Moses? Stand up and take this staff. So Skyler is Moses. You guys are the children of God. And, and you're really thirsty. So think about this. You're really thirsty. And this is the guy who, had, who led you into the desert. This is the guy. You've got God is there. You're following God. But this is who you see. Your leader. And so the Israelites, they got really mad. And they're saying, why did you even bring us here? It's so, it's so, we're so thirsty. And there's no water. And you know what Moses did? He went to God. And he asked God for help. And he said, He said, Why are you fighting with me? Why are we fighting with me? You know, if you're mad at me, you're actually mad at the Lord. You're testing the Lord. But they really, really needed water. They said, Why did you bring us up here out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord. He said, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. They were that mad. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take your hand and the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. Moses did that in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called out the name, uh, called the name of the place Massa Meribah because of the quarreling of the people, because they tested the Lord. But when he struck the rock, water came flowing out of it. God told him to go to a rock. So God said, "I want you to get everybody together, and you're going to go to this rock, and I want you to strike it with your staff." So we took a dry old stick. Why don't you go ahead and just, just hit that? <laughs> when he hit it, water came bubbling out, and the people could drink. Now, you, you, you guys played the children of Israel. There's four of you. Imagine many, many, many more people. More people than there are even in Alaska were following in the desert and didn't have water. And from one rock, God caused the water to come out. And they all had water to drink. I was going to be bringing a rock, another rock, to show you. And I was thinking in my mind, it had to be a big rock in order to get that much water out of a rock. And so I looked around in my yard to find the biggest rock I had. Because I had a lot of rocks. I've been collecting them to make a garden. And I found this rock, this huge rock that I had. And I thought, I can take that one because I need the biggest rock. Well, <laughs> last night I went to go pick up that rock and do you know, it was so big, I couldn't even pick it up. It was so heavy. And I thought, well, I could roll it to my car, but I don't think I could get it in there. And I was thinking, oh, I wish I had some help. I wish you'd been there to help me. I probably would have needed all of you to help me lift it into the car. And then I started thinking, the Lord just came to me and he said, what 
makes you think it was a big rock? <laughs> what makes you think I can't get water, can't give water from a tiny rock all the water you need? So, I got kind of a big rock. Because I still was thinking, really? I'm going to have a big rock. A rock rock. But the Lord showed me this, which I found. And it's a little heart. And did you know that if you don't know Jesus, that you have a heart of stone? That until you know Jesus, your heart is like stone. And when you come to trust in Jesus, and he, and, he, uh, uh, and he comes into your heart, he gives you a new heart of flesh. And in that heart, even the tiniest, tiniest heart, the littlest heart, he can make rivers of his living water flow from you. That is what God wanted to say. Even with your little heart, with God in it, you have everything that He is. And it will flow from you. So I'm going to pray for you. Go down this step. Lord, I ask you to bless these little hearts. Your children, Lord. Thank you so much that the little children can come to you. And if they come to you like a child, they will inherit the kingdom of God. And rivers of water will flow from their hearts. Lord, we praise you and thank you. Amen. Okay, you can go back to your bed. So leave this right here.
and I never, never really thought about having water or, or, or what it takes to, to, um, to, to keep the water. Until that family moved. And Elsie, city girl, who had never had to worry about water, was moved into a dry cabin. No sink, no shower, no toilet, no tap to open up and get myself a nice tall glass of cool, clean water. And I was 50 years old, and I had to finally learn how to go get water. I had to come up with ways to either go to the water and use it there, or bring it back and keep it at the cabin. Because if I didn't get water, you have to have water. Why is it so important? Well, we all know you can't live without water. I even Googled it because I was curious. How long does it take um, without water before you die? And, in, uh, and when I Googled it, uh, 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 Alexa said that to me. The maximum time seems to be a week, but three or four days is more typical. So she didn't really say you're going to die, but in that it means without water, you're going to die. That's how God designed it. We all need to live. That's a given, that information, without water. But have you given any thought to actually what water does for you? If we just drink it, what does it do? What are the benefits of water when you take that drink of water, when you keep putting the water in your body? It helps you to move. It lubricates and cushions your joints. Um, it gives you oxygen. Our blood is 90% water. And so water is the carrying system um, for everything that our body needs. It helps maintain our blood pressure. It helps us to look good. Keeps away the wrinkles. Um, it protects us from some skin diseases. Uh, it helps us to think. This is why I'm drinking a lot of water today. <laughs> I need to think. I need a clear mind. It actually literally cushions the brain and uh, helps with the uh, electrical synapses. Uh, you need water to, for those connections to work, uh, the neurotransmitters. We need water to think and reason. It helps us to stay cool, which we all know, and regulate our body temperature. Helps with the digestion. And this was the most interesting thing. It helps us to breathe. Now, one of the things I found out about that with breathing, because we know breathing is really important, when you're dehydrated, the airways are restricted in the body. Your body actually shuts down the airways to conserve water. Water is actually more important to your body than breathing. Pretty important. So by design, our bodies cannot function without water. It doesn't matter who you are, Without water, you will die. The living water is also what we need by God's design. In John chapter 4, 
Jesus told the Samaritan woman about the difference between well water and his living water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never be thirsty again. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's a familiar verse. That's something, I wondered when I read that, if I was kind of taking it for granted, the living water for granted, just like I took the water in my house for granted. Just always knowing it was there. Okay, yeah, I got the water. Well, I have it inside me. It's there. I'm good. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. That's the first drink. On that day, as it says in the Bible, the Samaritan woman, she took the first drink that Jesus offered to her. I don't think I appreciated all the benefits that were in that first drink. Because like many of you, I also accepted that first drink from Jesus when I was saved. I knew it gave me life, and that I was never the same again. But I hadn't really thought about, just like the water, what did that first drink do? What happened to me when I took that first drink? There are benefits. In Wesleyan theology, the benefits are defined as initial sanctification, entire sanctification, progressive sanctification, and glorification. Now when I said those words, I could see ears closing over, eyes kind of rolling up, and it's like, oh, big words. So we've been talking about water. Let's put these four benefits into the context of water. The first drink. This is the start of the process when that salvation immediately I'm forgiven and justified. No longer condemned. My guilt is taken away. I'm regenerated. I'm made new. Cleansed of my sins and the Holy Spirit comes to live in me. Like I said to the kids, we're given a new heart. He takes away our stony heart and gives us a heart of flesh. Literally changes our hearts. We're adopted into the family of God. I rejoice about that. I was thinking about that as everyone was coming in and how nervous I was. And I thought, I'm with my family. This is okay. Because I just, I, I just rejoice that you're all here to share this with me. I'm redeemed. Jesus literally gave his life as payment for my sins. And I'm no longer a slave to my sin. I belong to him. There's a beautiful quote about redemption that I found in my recent studies. Our lives are redeemed from sin and for love. Our lives are redeemed from sin and for love. To me, it just gives me the picture. Jesus did it for love. 
He came and paid the price to buy us for love. Because of that, I'm reconciled. My account is settled and my relationship with God is renewed. I'm no longer estranged from Him. And I'm sanctified. This is the beginning point where we are set, set aside at that first drink. And God makes us righteous and begins the process of that righteousness in our life where we are made into the image of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's the first drink. But it doesn't stop there. We don't just, when we come upon the fountain of living water, we don't just take the drink in the middle of the desert and say, okay, I feel great now. See ya. And head out into that in the desert. There's more. The next one is entire sanctification. Now this is where I pictured it of God opening the taps. And I've been talking about the water as we drink it and take it in our body. And, um, I, and, and Pastor Bob alluded to how we had worked together uh, um, over the TV. He got to hear many, <laughs> many different uh, um, aspects of this. And, um, and I have to give him credit because, of, because it's sometimes difficult to carry an analogy through. But he gave me a great picture because I'm a visual person um, involving water. So I want to ask you to picture a water system in your house that's attached to an artesian well. The time of salvation, you've been hooked up. You've been taken off that arsenic well <laughs> and attached to a bubbling spring of pure, fresh water. And in that system, you have a pressure tank and a pump with the pipes all attached to take the water throughout your house. So the living water comes in, fills up that pressure tank, with the clean water, which immediately cleanses the tank and makes it like new. And he replaces that old frozen, rusted pump, because of the, all that water that's been going through, with a brand new pump. And you're saved. And you're, you've been transformed. But, in your power system, some of the pipes are still old. It's pretty involved. You've got a lot of pipes, you've got stuff going through the walls, you don't even see. They've been having, they've had hard, rusty, dirty water running through them for a lifetime. So you've got this beautiful new heart and pressure tank, beautiful new pump. You don't want to let that get into, you, you don't want to send that into those, into those yucky pipes. So you keep the back shut. And you've got it in your house. Wonderful. There's so many benefits to your new pump and your new pressure tank. You're, you're connected, but the valves are shut to the rest of your house because the pipes are mess. They're still full of rust. There's many. There's there's a lot of things going on, and you're still you're still using them. But of course, things aren't working right because of that. And you come to a time where you just can't do it anymore. The system's not working. You can't have both. You just can't work on both systems, the new clean system 
the one that's, that's, that um, has been, been uh, um, rusted. And, 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 and so God comes to you and he says, you know, if you open up those valves, if you let me open them up, I can get in there and fix them. And he brings you to that point where you realize you can't fix it. You can't do it on your own. But God can. So you respond to his grace. And you let him open up the valves. And the living water flows freely into your life. That's called entire sanctification. That's that moment in time when you give your whole life, everything to God. You give him, you, 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 you let him open the valves. No matter what, if you're looking at a picture of the water system in a house or a human body, they both need to keep the water flowing in order to live and thrive. So the taps are open. The valves are open. The water's flowing. What's next? This then comes a time of progressive sanctification. This is the cooperative time. God has graciously come in and he's going to be cleansing and repairing but there's still that cooperation. You need to keep drinking. You need to stay hydrated. It only works, a water system only works properly when the pump is primed. We need to drink water for our bodies to live and thrive. We need to keep drinking. So too, spiritually, we need to stay hydrated. This all takes cooperation. Pump needs to be primed, we need to keep drinking. Just like I had to learn how to keep water in my cabin so that I could stay hydrated physically, I had to be disciplined. And so I must be disciplined and cooperate with God to stay spiritually hydrated. So how do I do that? What are the things that Christians do that God calls us to do to stay hydrated, to keep his living water flowing through us. There are many, there's a list of spiritual disciplines, of the basic core things that we cooperate in, and that, that we do. That's the, the drinking of the water. Prayer, meditation, fasting, simplicity, solitude, worship, reading his word, being with other Christians, talking about godly things. All of these things are practiced in the disciplines. By this, we're pursuing an intimate relationship with God. <laughs> we keep drinking at the fount of living water. We cooperate with the Lord in these things to keep the water with us, to bring the water where we need it, to keep our bodies hydrated. And the Lord is gracious. And we receive his continual transforming, transformational cleansing and healing in our lives and the benefits of living water. And this is throughout our lifetime. 
This is a continual work of grace. From the time of our salvation until the time we die. Or Jesus comes, he responds, what was talking about, and takes us to be with him. That at that time, we are glorified, which is the last part, the final part. Glorification. That is complete saturation. We become like Jesus. God completes his transforming work in us. We're saturated. Fully transform in his image and completely in God's image forever. In God's presence forever. He makes us holy. The whole process of sanctification set aside holy for his purpose and be made holy. Because he's holy. And in that we can, we can be in his presence. God makes us holy because he is holy. This is sanctification. God has promised his people a holy life with him since creation. It's in his word. We heard it in the children's sermon. We heard it in the scripture that Evelyn read to you before worship. It's, um, it's Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 23 through 28. If you want to look it up, I'm going to ask Evelyn if she would read that again to us. But Evelyn, would you, would, you, uh, would you read that scripture to us again? And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among, among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you... I will take you from nations and gather you from all the countries, bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's in there. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Take our heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh. Sprinkle us with pure water. Cleanse us. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. My study in Ezekiel, uh, in, in, in preaching about uh, uh, preaching about the sanctification process, um, in my studies I found a really great note that really helped me to understand God's heart in this. Um, so, um, for this note on, on Ezekiel 36, on the scripture that, that Ellen just read, it says, This is God's offer of the gift of divine cleansing from sin, renewal of the heart, and the power and purity of the Holy Spirit. In a word, God offers his holiness. 
God's offer of the gift, the gift of holiness. From the very beginning, God offers us his gift of holiness. From the first string, all the way through, till we are with him. It's amazing. It's just, isn't that amazing? God wants us to be holy. It's his heart. He wants us to be whole. He just doesn't hand us a water bottle. Says, here you go, kid. You're good to go. Out into the desert. He comes with us. The children of Israel, we have to remember, God was right there with them. When they were when they thought they were dying of thirst in the desert and that this was it and they were and they were giving way to anger and blaming Moses, God was right there. God was right there. He graciously brought forth water to take care of his children. You don't have to go out and dip the water cane. Make sure. Make sure it's full. But you do need to stay close to God. Our Father in Heaven is a loving and generous God. In Jesus, He gives us the whole fountain. Jesus, the fountain of living water, who continually cleanses, renews, and transforms those who trust Him, love Him, and submit to Him. Let Him open the valves. We're not condemned to struggle with a sinful nature all our lives. We don't have to do that struggle. God will bring you, if you're still struggling, God will bring you to that point and show you. And he will open the valves and he can come into your life. We don't have to wait until heaven to know the benefits of the living water, which gives us a joyful, abundant Holy life with Jesus. With holiness comes joy and abundance. You can drink deeply at this fountain every day. You can thrive in a transformed life today. We don't have to wait until we go to heaven. Till till we're glorified. God takes care of that. You can come to the fountain today. So wait a few minutes. Pastor Bob is going to come and call us to the table where we'll celebrate Jesus and remember what he did and what he offered and the gift that he gave to us. So, as we prepare our hearts for that, I have some questions um, that that I'm going to be asking myself. The first one is, Am I thirsty? John 7, verse 37 says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The Lord gives us unlimited access to the fountain of living water. Am I taking the living water for granted? In Jeremiah 2.13, God laments, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, 
broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The world forsakes the living water and seeks life in things that don't sustain it. But the one who trusts God, those of us who have come to the fountain and taken that gift, that drink of living water, we have the spring welling up within us. If I'm dying of thirst in the desert, I'm not just going to take one drink and then head out and dig my own well somewhere. Is there anything holding me back from the fountain of living water? Jesus still calls out to his people in Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Can I daily trust Jesus and come to him without living water? Can I do that? Can I trade in my water bottle for the true life-giving fountain of water? Jesus tells us in John 7.38, Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. God is ready to turn on the tap and fill you with rivers of living water. That's abundant life. The rivers can come from even the tiniest part that is submitted to the Lord. Jesus tells us that he has come, that we may have life and have it to the full. You can live an abundant life today and every day. Jesus will continually cleanse you and refresh you. Are you ready for more of Jesus in your life? Can you accept his gift of holiness? Then come. Come and drink. Drink deeply at the fountain of living water. Jesus, he is our daily source of life. Now let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you give everything and more that I might be with you forever. But not just in heaven when, when we are all with you, but here today now. I can call on your name. And you will give me that perspective. You will give me yourself in your living water. Father, bless us in this time as we come to your table. And help us to come to you and drink from your cup every day. Amen.